Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining me on the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin, and as I said last week, I am loving the conversation that we're getting to have right now. We are talking about global youth culture. Now, if you didn't hear last week's podcast, then go ahead and hit pause right now and go back and listen to last week first because this is a two-part series, and you'll want to hear that for context. Um, Now, as everyone listened to last week, you know that I got to sit down with Noemi Monerville from One Hope and talk about the research that they have compiled about Gen Z. This week, we are continuing that conversation that I got to have with Noemi. Now, as we listened last week, I know that you heard we, we were mainly talked about the type of student who isn't connected to a church and has no religious affiliation or belief. This week, we're getting to talk about the students who are connected to the church, the types of students that are sitting with us in small group every single week. And since Switch and youth ministry matter so much to us, that means getting educated on this culture, what what they're living in and how they are perceiving it has to be important to us as well. And so I hope you'll listen closely. I'm sure that you have students in your small group that maybe you could connect to one of these different students you're going to hear about today. It's going to be great. Here we go for week two of global youth culture. So we're gonna move on to our next group that we talked to, which was the nominal Christians. So as the name indicates, these are Christians who are Christians by name only. So these actually represented 43% of the young people in the US that we talked to. And it seems simple, but we, we actually saw a lot of different types of these nominal Christians too, on a spectrum sort of, if you will. So. On one end, we sort of have the progressive nominal, so someone who kind of believes that their intellect has sort of advanced far beyond kind of common expressions of faith. And then on the other end, you have this um, nominal Christian who's like a Christian by name only, but has a lot of um, has a, a lot of the beliefs and behaviors of a healthy Christian, but just really is not based in Scripture and isn't engaging with Scripture. So that's the kind of nearly committed nominal. And then somewhere in between, we have this familiar nominal. So I want to take a closer look at the familiar nominal. So this is this is someone that's probably coming through your 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 doors to your service um, weekly. And I want to introduce you to him. His name is Matthew. He's about 15. He's a Christian, but he admits he doesn't practice his faith very much. He says, I'm not really a Christian, but I would still identify. And when it comes to what influences his faith, his parents, again, are still the biggest influence. So he really defaults to his family's faith. So they've mostly modeled Christian behavior for him. You know, they take him to church, but they don't really bring faith home. And so for that reason, their faith is kind of a a trickle down faith, if you will, for him. It may not have trickled very far or very strongly from his parents, but it's really still present in some form. So that's parents as an influence. For, for him. And then when we think about youth pastors as well, they're also a big influence, which is encouraging, right? So he thinks that youth pastors are intelligent and kind of relatable, which is great. And he learns about faith and life from leaders at youth group. So that's a, a second one. And then lastly, we have other Christians. So he is encouraged by other Christians who are devoted and engaged in scripture and, and discussion around scripture, they're, they're kind of interesting to him, right? And he's hearing about their faith and seeing their faith in practice. 
And he appreciates that, but he would say personally, right? He's not like air quote, hardcore. So those are kind of the three pressures or sorry, influences that we're seeing with, with somebody like Matthew, who's, who's who we would call a familiar nominal Christian. Yeah. And this is the one that, this is the one that most of us are probably going, yeah, I see the most of that. And one of the things that I read that was interesting, because I often think of from the student's perspective saying, yeah, I go to church. I just don't often take my faith beyond the walls of the church. You were mentioning parents and how that's their, you know, major faith influence. And you said that, you know, the, the thing in this um, graphic I'm looking at says my, my parents take me to church, but they don't really bring faith home. Like, you know, and that's, isn't that interesting? Like, and that, that is the truth. And we often, I think sometimes even get frustrated with students who are like, man, you, you really have it together on like on Wednesday nights, like you are such a great kid. But then you, you came and told me you got suspended at school for, you know, like whatever it may be, or, or there's other friends in your circle that keep telling me that like, Hey, he is not that way at school. Like that, like he is always in trouble at school. And we're like, man, why, like, why aren't, aren't you the same person there that you are here? And then we look and go, well, maybe because your parents aren't like, you know, I mean, that's, that's a legitimate poss- not just possibility, but likelihood. Um, in, in, as it pertains to probably half of our students, right? Like, I mean, a, a big number, maybe I'm wrong on the half, but a big number of, of our students. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, 43%. 40, yeah, 43%. We're going to round up seven. I don't know how, how to math well, so I round <laughs> easily, you know, just always round up. Um, no, so so I just think that that's, <laughs> I think that's something really interesting and important for us. Again, going back to partnering with parents, which is truly the hardest thing we do is, okay, I want to have an influence in this kid's life, but do I have an influence in their parent's life? And people listening are going, listen, dude, I've been trying. I've been texting them. They don't text me back. Seems like they don't really want to talk much. All right. Listen, I get it. I'm not saying it's easy. I, I'm literally telling you, I know it's the hardest thing we do. What I'm saying is don't give up on that. Just know that of all the things that you could say, hey, this isn't working. You can't say that about the parents. You have to do your best to keep getting to know them. You have to let them know when their kid does something awesome. You need to call them and say, hey, Matthew was incredible tonight. He really stood out in our group. He prayed for our group. He There was a kid having a hard time, and Matthew was the one that stepped up and did something special. And make sure you're taking every opportunity you have to build a relationship with their parents, because as we see over and over again, that's their greatest influence. Absolutely. So equipping parents, but also like the modeling responsibility that parents have as well. So I want to talk about pressures as well. So we talked about mental health um, for some of the other other people that we've we've interacted with, right? But for Matthew, like mental health struggles are still very real. Like he actually, you can see this on the right hand side of your graphic um, with those those little bars there. But he's actually struggling to almost the same extent as we saw with Melissa, even though he's often in a church setting and identifies as a Christian. So. Um, I'd encourage you to put those kind of graphics side by side, if you will, or look at those two sections of of the graphic together under that pressure section, just to see like, you know, one person is, is not in a church setting at all, is not influenced by faith in any way. Um, and another is right. And there's small, only small differences in terms of 
the extent to which they're struggling. So that really tells us again, like, what is it that moves the needle that just made us question, like, what is it that moves the needle for these kids in terms of like making an actual difference in their life? Right. Struggle still very real for, for somebody like Matthew, this familiar nominal. Yeah. And when you start looking at, again, at those percentages on the side, it's, it's still just, it's yeah, it's a lot. It, as a matter of fact, if I'm being honest and for any of you looking at it, it can be discouraging for me to look at this. Like, I mean, it, it almost, and I'm, I'm trying not to let myself go there. And I know that that's not um, helpful for me to go into a place of, man, that's discouraging. But I think the reason I decided to just say it is because I think if other people looking at this might be feeling that too, like this is, this is just crazy. I, don't, I mean, this is a kid that you're saying is actively involved in our church and I'm looking at this percentage that says still 31, actively involved, you know, it's coming to church, not, you know, maybe saying that I'm a Christian, but not living it out, but they're at least there in front of us. And, and we're saying 31% of them are still having suicidal thoughts. And like, yeah. um, that's hard to swallow. Definitely. Definitely. So of course we wanted to know like what, what makes that the case? Like what, what things are weighing on you? Um, we wanted to know if they were different from somebody like, um, like Melissa, right? Um, and he told us that academic expectations really play a big role in that, in that struggle for him. And that what he also struggles with just in, a, in sort of his faith life, right, is just balancing that faith with what the world is asking for. And so kind of being torn between the two, if you will. Um, and he sometimes feels like he's not Christian enough, again, torn between the world and, and his faith and not really not really knowing how to reconcile those things, but also maybe not being engaged enough to really do the work of that, right? And I think I think one way that this plays out is really around these LGBTQ plus issues. And so Matthew, you know, feels like he wants to support these people, but really has just trouble approaching this conversation from like a faith perspective. And so that's just something that like doesn't sit well with him, for example, and something that he just practically has a really hard time with when it comes to, you know, living out his faith and being all in, if you will. Right. And then I think when we think about what it, what it looks like for somebody like, like Matthew to be a Christian, what does it look like for him to walk out his faith, right? Um, his spiritual practices are pretty much limited to attending church, maybe saying grace with his family before meals, and generally just trying not to sin. So he thinks in terms of scripture that, you know, it has some good moral value, but he doesn't really think that he needs it in daily life. But he thinks what's more important than scripture um, and really walking out his faith is being tolerant and not encroaching on anyone's beliefs or making them feel uncomfortable, right? Like Gen Z at all costs wants to avoid making people feel uncomfortable. Discomfort is a big no-no, right? And I think because of that, because of that approach, he's just really bothered that um, LGBTQ plus people are often suffering at the hands of Christians and the church. So again, being torn between kind of like what culture is saying is important and things that are happening, right? And how to reconcile that with his faith and just not being actively engaged enough to really make sense of that. And right. he's not really looking to scripture for that, right? It's mainly just rules to Matthew. He thinks he, he knows most of those rules. And I think what's so interesting about, about his approach to scripture is that 
scripture for him is really hard to understand. So even if he wanted to look there, maybe he still wouldn't wouldn't be able to, right? Um, and it's hard for him to trust. He thinks it's really outdated. And, you know, who has the attention span for reading long, old books? Anyways, these are actually things that we heard from kids when we talked to them. So it's pretty, pretty um, major obstacles, I would say, to, to scripture, to faith, to um, a life lived in step with scripture, right? Absolutely. And it really seems it still comes back to the world I'm living in, the influences that I have. Are, are sort of all telling me that what the church is doing is bad and they're not understanding and they they try to make us uncomfortable and they're mean and their beliefs in general are not kind. And because of that, it's making me question which side I'm on. Yep, absolutely. And then just this last idea too of, of thinking about church and what's the place we've talked about scripture and just faith overall, what's the role of church it's a part of his family's routine. You know, he goes, he'll show up, but it's pretty boring for him. And he really thinks that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And so again, like what is the role of community in, in bolstering faith and building faith? Um, it's just not, not quite built out there for him. But I think, you know, these are the kids that are most often coming through the doors of, of youth groups. And when we really thought about like, gosh, what's missing? Like, what do we feel like they're, they really need? I think kind of big picture wise, right? They're, they just lack biblical knowledge and understanding. And like our heart should break for that. Like our heart should break that they look at this beautiful book of scripture and God's um, message to us and just think like, eh, it's just rules. Like, oh, I'm pretty good. Um, so our heart's definitely broken for that. Um, and then just, just lacking this this way of internalizing scripture to be meaningful and to be the authority in their lives more than just, you know, a set of nice principles or a set of rules that you shouldn't break because that would be bad. Right. Absolutely. One thing that also feels like it's missing here, right. It's just like this conviction that knowing the truth is important. I feel like, you know, if truth matters, then the source of its truth, the Bible, like that matters too. So it's kind of, kind of a, a domino effect, you know, um, right. and then once we know the truth is important, we can have personal life-giving relationship with Jesus. And there's a transformation that happens from, from being engaged with scripture and truth. Um, so those are just kind of some big picture things. It's good. It's a lot to take in. I think when I think of this one, the familiar nominal, what we're talking about, Matthew and students that are in the church, but maybe not always living it outside of the church and often same for their parents. Like, this is what I've raised in. We come to church. We just usually leave it at the church and then it's there for us when we come back next week. Right. Like that's kind of, that's what they've grown up in. And therefore that's be, because that's been their model. That's the way that they're living it out. We can definitely look and go, man, high anxiety, high loneliness, high depression, um, suicidal thoughts, same sex attraction, pornography, like all these, these things are all still very, very, um, significant struggles that they face. And then we look at um, what, are the, what are the pressures? And as you go through those, navigating is the word that stands out to me. And it's like, yes, I am having to navigate that when I go to church, I want to believe what they're saying because it, they, I know they love me and it does actually seem like the right thing. But then when I go to school, I'm hearing all these other kids say that they don't actually love them. 
And now I'm trying to figure out, but wait, do they or don't they? And Mm -hmm. I want my friends to know that I love them. And for some reason, it seems like they think the church doesn't because of their disagreement. And now I'm having to navigate the waters that I really don't understand. Like I, I don't, I don't know when I'm about to run into something because I, I'm, I'm a kid and I'm trying to navigate stuff that, that honestly a kid shouldn't have to navigate. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me very confused. And while I love my church, I'm, I've got some doubts now. And, um, and so like, that's what I look at when I think of what this kid's going through. And so then it helps me posture myself in a position to go, knowing what you're dealing with, it makes my response all the more important. Like knowing what you're dealing with, it means that I need to recognize you're still coming here for a reason and that's a win. And so it's a win that you're coming through the door and that you must to some degree care about what I have to say and take me seriously. And so because of that, I'm going to make sure that the love that I express is very genuine, that the truth that I share is lathered in love, but is also very clear as as to being hand in hand with what we learn in scripture, with what we know Jesus to have lived out. And I want them to know that that while there are, yes, there's these like rules that they talk about, all of those rules, everything they, they read in scripture, everything points back to Jesus. Everything. It all points back to Jesus. And the way Jesus lived and, and, and the whole point of his life on this earth was to come here for those broken people, which is them and us, give his own life so that we could have life. And, and it's, it's making sure that we are replicating that as best possible for these students that are coming through the doors, um, you know, replicating that in our own lives. Yeah, I think that's, that's perfect, right? That idea of, of replication and modeling even. Um, and I think that's something that this group can definitely use, right? It's just a healthy example of faith lived out. If they're, if they're having a hard time, you know, reconciling things that they're seeing at school and things that they're seeing um, or they're learning about um, or talking about within the church, like as a leader, as somebody who's talking to them, that's a great opportunity to show them how you've managed and navigated those tensions too. So I think that's a great opportunity for engaging engaging these kids. And then, you know, one, one last tension just for this group that I see too is this, um, either they're really into like internal beliefs. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. Like I've got it. I don't really need like scripture and it's fine. Um, or on the other hat, the other side, they're really focused on those external behaviors. They're like, well, I'm really nice. Like I uphold the golden rule. Like I go to church, I do the things. And so it seems to really be kind of like a one or the other for this group. And I think just helping kids practically understand what it means to uphold like faith and works, right? Not just one or the other, not just, oh, I have faith. Oh, well, I've got the works down, but really how those, like the importance of, of those being, um, being knitted together um, and coming from a healthy place, right? So right. That's, that's what we're seeing with that group. Absolutely. And now we have one more, right? We have one more. This is our last one um, that we'll cover in our time. But we have talked about the apathetic nun, right? The person who's not in the church, doesn't really care. 
the familiar nominal, someone who's coming to church, but is just navigating the tension of like, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Do I really care? How do I kind of live in like feet in the world and not in the world at the same time, kind of. And then lastly, we have what we call a committed Christian. So when we say committed, we thought about committedness as embodying these four beliefs and these two habits. So teens had to um, have these four beliefs. So they had to believe in a personal God. They had to believe in Jesus as the son of God, in the Bible as the word of God, and in forgiveness of sins as only through Jesus. And then they had to practice these two habits, praying at least weekly and reading scripture on their own at least weekly. So that's kind of where that comes in from earlier, Josh, as we were saying, like, this isn't a ton a ton to ask, right? Like, do you pray right. weekly at least? Do you read your Bible weekly at least on your own? And then do you have hold these sort of four basic uh, core um, tenets of, of the Christian faith? And so even though 51% of teens that we talked to in our survey said that they were Christian, broadly speaking, only 8% of, of all teens that we talked to actually displayed all those beliefs and habits of a committed Christian. So the 43% that didn't meet all those criteria were considered nominals, like Matthew, who we just met, right? Um, but this 8%, this small, small chunk of kids, 8% of 410 kids, um, were, were the only ones who said, like, yeah, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that God is is personable, personal and knowable. I believe that the Bible is the word of God, that forgiveness of sins is only through Jesus. I pray at least weekly. I read scripture on my own at least weekly. So that was just 8%. So these are kind of your powerhouse kids, if you will, um, that are that are coming through your, your doors. These are the kids that when you start in youth ministry at the very beginning, these are the kids that you envision being in your small group. You're like, yes, I'm going to serve in youth ministry. It's going to be so great. We're going to sit in a circle and they're going to recite the scripture that they memorized over the last seven days. Right. Like these are those kids. Yep. And the other ones that we went through are the kids that are actually in your small group. Yeah. No, no. These these in reality, though, these are I love what you're saying. We have we have something called capacity. Um, in uh, in our church, and it's a group. It's of leadership students that it's invite only. The top students in the church who who exemplify a high level of leadership capacity, you know, and and want to be invested and are consistently showing up, um, and are those leader type kids. They're in that group. And when I read this, while they aren't all here yet. Those are the types of kids that I think of. The kids that are going, yeah. Not only am I all in, but my for a lot of them, my family's all in, and and like I'm I'm very connected, and I want to be more involved, and I want opportunity in the church, and so I actually I say that because I I think those listening, it may give you a little bit better of a picture to be able to go, okay, yeah, those like those kids, the the ones that are the leaders of their own youth ministry that that, mm-hmm. that are really stepping in and wanting to be the influencers. And while maybe they're not necessarily reading their Bible every day or doing all the right things, they are the ones that are are committed and are doing their best to make more of those wise decisions. And the person they are at church is also the person they are at school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So let's zoom in on these committeds. We'll meet Hannah. She's 18. She's a Christian and she comes from a Christian family. She's very involved in her church community and she's deeply convinced of biblical truth as 
um, not only being truth, but as it being singular and as it being knowable, right? She says, I've always believed in Jesus as the son of God, but only this past year, he went from being a part of my life to everything and the only thing that matters to me. And so really we see here that they've had meaningful experiences with Jesus and, and that's what's led them to be all in. And then we'll think about influences. So like, here's where they are. Okay, so how did they get here? What, what molded and shaped them um, to, be, to be the way that they are? And so in terms of faith influences, she cites her parents as the biggest influence. They're strong Christians and they taught her about faith as they raised her. Um, one thing that was interesting to learn about as well was that um, her church community has been really influential. They've been a great support to her as she wrestles with big questions and ideas and as she goes through really hard things in her life. Like they have been um, so helpful in, in shouldering the burden of what she's going through and just been a place to process with her and point her towards Jesus. And that is something that has really, really shaped her. So exciting to hear some of these things. It can work. It can be good, right? Absolutely. The cool thing is when I think about those other two students, I can, off the top of my head, I could just start saying names and listing students that I have watched go from that first one to the second one to this one, all because they, wow. they got through the doors of the church. Somebody showed them love. Parents, you know, a, a whole family got involved. And that's usually what it takes. It, I mean, I know there are some examples where families didn't and you watch a student just get really, really connected. But most of the time, it's when a whole family gets connected to a community of believers in a church that you watch not just a student's life get changed, but the whole family's life get changed. And it goes from being this kid that was like, I don't believe in God to this kid that goes, I can't imagine life without him. That's exactly it. And I'm so glad that you said that because kind of this group was sort of half, half, like some of them, you know, really came from Christian families and really were just raised to, to love the Lord and, and stuck with it. And really like their faith became their own. Right. Um, but there, there's also this other part of this group who were exactly as you were describing Josh, who, you know, weren't believers had this radical transformation from an experience with Jesus and then their whole family like ends up coming to know the Lord. And so again, like powerhouse kids one way or another, um, just really encouraging to see. Um, so even though they are, you know, powerhouse kids, they still, they still struggle when we think about pressures they face. Um, they're still, they're still struggling, but there is finally some good news in this area, which is that you know, they're still struggling, but there's actually benefits to them being engaged with scripture and being active in prayer and holding to those core faith beliefs. We, in our data, pulled out all of the kids who actually believe these things, and we looked at the rates at which they struggled. And you can see this, again, um, when you're looking in your side-by-side -side on, on the graphic, it is undeniable. The, the, power, the power of scripture engagement, the power of prayer, the power of healthy faith beliefs you just, you can't, you can't overlook it. So we were excited to see that like, yeah, scripture engagement moves the needle, getting kids involved in reading their Bibles and doing it on their own. That moves the needle. Prayer moves the needle. Um, having a healthy, healthy faith view moves the needle. So that was encouraging to us just as we thought about, you know, where do we go from here and, and how do we understand the mental health kind of conversation and what might change it? So um, yeah, Hannah, this teen that we're talking to and committed teens overall just reported much drastically lower rates of concerning mental health issues on nearly every single item that we measured for, which you can see there in the graphic. 
Yeah, some, some that um, stand out really, really big. So the one that stood out to me immediately, and I've kept bringing this up, but we've had a lot of this happen at different campuses throughout our church, and it's happening all over, is, again, suicidal thoughts. So that first student we talked about, 48% of them having suicidal thoughts. The second student, the, non, the familiar nominal, 31% suicidal thoughts. And then we get to Hannah here, the all-in committed, 12% suicidal thoughts. Yeah. So we watched that number go from one at one and two, one out of every two to nearly one in 10, you know, to it's like one in nine is what we see that number go to. I mean, that's, that's staggering and, and yeah. same thing. So like same sex attraction, it goes from on that first student, it goes from 34% to 23% all the way down to 12%. All of those things, even high anxiety, you see anxiety, take a huge drop. And it's, it is what you're saying, encouraging. It's so encouraging to look and go what we're doing. It doesn't just matter, but it works. And for you guys and your mission, God's word, every child is like, a, yeah, again, super simple mission statement, absolutely incredibly powerful mission statement. And oh yeah, it works really well. Absolutely. We were, we were excited to see that. And I think it, it helps, you know, give a practical idea of, of people seeing these things and saying like, man, like, how can I move like my, um, you know, a familiar nominal to an all in committed, like that's really one of the big differences of scripture engagement. And so I think practically it helps us um, sort of chart out strategy and think about how we might um, be able to move these kids to a healthier place in their walk with the Lord. So you bet. All right. So we talked about this mental health idea, but we're, we also wanted to know like, okay, so they're still struggling, right? Like some of those percentages are still much higher than we would want them to be at all. Like we would love for all of those things to be 0%. And so, um, and so we found that when we were asking sort of about challenges that one of the big things that somebody like Hannah, this all in committed is facing is she finds it really challenging to connect non-Christians to God's truth, especially when they have totally different truths and values. So it's it's not that there's not an appetite to share. It's not that, um, that there are, isn't an opportunity to share, but it's just like, what happens when your starting point is just so different? And so that's something that that is challenging for her, right? When they have really different truths and values. And then right. I think from that perspective too, she, she wants to balance judgment and mercy. And I think in her interactions with people who are not like her, right? Um, she's having trouble finding a way to practically uphold truth in love and balance both while still really wanting to, to be able to engage people. And so I think those two things kind of, kind of go together. Yep. And I think um, those same challenges she's facing when she goes, man, how do I connect non-Christians to God's truth? Okay. I mean, are there any adults listening who also aren't challenged with that very same thing, right? Like, I mean, it's the difference being we're, we're talking about an 18 year old student here is kind of our example of description, which could also be a 17 or 16, or, you know, a teenager that, that we're talking about going, hey, I believe in the power of God's truth and his word because I have seen it change my own life and I want my friends to get to experience it as well but I'm living in a really confused, broken world. And I feel a lot of pressure of knowing what is my role here. And 
how do I lead them to believe and understand that? Like, how, like, how do I have those conversations? And that's tough for a kid because it's mm-hmm. tough for an adult. And so th- these are, these are students who are choosing, who are choosing to face decisions and challenges that we as adults are still in our own way working to overcome or maybe improve in our own um, effort to reach the lost. And so the, the difference being we've lived a lot more life. We maybe have a little bit more understanding. Maybe we've gotten a little bit more bold. Um, and they as teenagers are going, okay, I'm just trying to do it way sooner. Like, I, like I'm just trying to do it while I'm still a kid. And I've got all these friends around me who are sponges and are in a season of life where they are going to be the most influenced. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to influence them right now. Yeah. And I think what's so exciting about these kids is they're not tone deaf, right? Like they're in both spaces and they recognize what's going on. And rather than shrinking away from it or just not like they might not be exactly sure how to navigate it, but they know that that truth is truth. And that's that's their guiding force. Right. Is like I know what Jesus says about these things, but also I love people like they're they really want to be just a loving support to those who are struggling. And I think tying it back to that idea of church community too, you see like just how much people like this have been supported by their church community and what a difference that's made for them. And so they want to, as, as a result, be that to other people. Right. So um, just figuring out what that looks like for them. And I want to backtrack on one thing I said and correct myself because while I think this is true, sometimes I said as adults, um, we've lived more life, which is true. We've got more experiences, have had to probably overcome more obstacles. And I, I said that we often are more bold. And I'm going to change what I said there, because while that is sometimes true, and we get a little bit older, and maybe we become more bold because of our convictions, I'm going to say that I have watched more teenagers be incredibly bold um, than I have seen adults. So if I mean, if I'm really if I'm actually just backtracking and going, no, Josh, let's be honest here. Between somebody that you're looking that's 35 and somebody that you're looking at that's 15, which one of them are actually more bold in their in their circles of influence? I'm it's actually not very close. I, I mean, truly, like when I look at this type of student, the one that's all in, they're bold because they're going to school living in a world that is telling them that the life that they're living is hateful and wrong. And in reality, they know that that is not true, that the world is lying and that in reality, they are living a life that is filled with love. But they're being that all everyone else around them is going, no, that's wrong. The right way is everything that you hear on social media and everything that you see on the news, which is um, everything's okay. And you can just kind of do anything that you want. And it's all going to be fine. Just accept me as I am even though they're looking on going, I know, but the way that you are is causing you to be more broken than you could ever imagine. And so they are choosing to go, no, I'm going to be bold. Like I am going to not be of this world and I'm going to live differently than everything else around me. And as adults, we're actually able to get through life and through our day without being as bold as it's required for them to be. And we can also, we can still live our faith and be Christians, right? Like we can still like, tell ourselves like, Hey, I'm doing everything that, um, I I go to church. I believe in God and we can actually get through our day without a lot of these conversations ever coming up 
But for mm-hmm. them, the conversations come up. For them, these yeah. are the kind of things that are getting talked about. That's so true. So we talked about, you know, this is what it's looking like for them to to walk through their day, Josh. You just kind of um, detailed that out for us. And I think when we think about the role of, of faith and scripture and things like that, what that looks like for somebody like Hannah, right, is uh, means regularly reading her Bible. She's active in church. She's standing firm on biblical truth. She's balancing justice and mercy, especially when it comes to hot topics like the LGBTQ plus conversation. And I think the the thing that I love so much is that Hannah really finds that God speaks to her through the Bible. God's word has gotten her through tough times, not just the fact that she's a Christian, mm-hmm. but really that personal encounter, which is what we aim for as an organization, right? Um, the Holy Spirit is guiding her to discern truth in scripture and for all of these reasons, for all of that that personal experience and the transformation that happens because of it, she believes the Bible is important and it, that it's important enough to study. And so these are just huge things for us as we think about the role in scripture, in the role of scripture, right, in, um, in helping kids along their journey of faith and also being able to effectively engage in the spaces that they're in. And then, and then we think about church too, because we, we talk about faith. We talk about, these are kind of three points that we hit each time, right? Like faith, scripture, church, it's a priority for her. She's actively involved in serving there. Her church community is super, super important. Like one of the most important things in her life. Right. And so she's that on fire kid that you see in your youth group. Um, and we always just think when we are looking at these types of kids, you know, we've, we've detailed three here today, but we actually have more like six or seven um, kind of other versions of, of kids that we see. But specifically for her, we think like, okay, we learn because we want to understand how to serve better. So what does somebody like this need? And I think what we what we hear from her is just this confidence in how to engage others with truth. Again, she believes the truth. She wants to share it, but she wants to make sure that she'll do it well. Um, and so how can she kind of build that confidence to do it and to do it well? And then biblical and practical approaches to difficult topics are also something that's needed. I think she wants her approach to hard topics to really be grounded in scripture. Um, but she she needs vision for what that looks like in practice. Um, I think that's, again, going back to that modeling conversation as well. And then just as an extension, these are all kind of related, right? But like um, there's an aspect of equipping, feeling equipping and just ready to influence and lead and support others that are her age. and like she believes in doing those things. She wants to do them, but she needs, we talked about that confidence piece just now, but like she needs some equipping, right? To be able to boost that confidence. So we feel like a lot of these things are really kind of interwoven. And then finally, like just already the, the desire being there is half of the equation. Um, but maybe there's this reinforced sense of being released into the world that they need to, right? So Maybe they're more ready than they realize. They just need an extra push, extra equipping, extra confidence to kind of go and do their thing. So um, not to write these kids off, right? And say like, oh, they're good. Like they have what they need. I think it's such a great opportunity to be able to invest in kids that are have healthy scriptural views and practices um, and faith views and practices and being able to um, make them catalysts for, for others' um, growth in their faith. Absolutely. There we have it. You have met Melissa, the apathetic nun, Matthew, the familiar nominal, and Hannah, the committed Christian. And we've just been digging into more about their struggles and influences and 
perspectives on truth and faith and how they walk it out. Well, um, Noemi, I, this has been really, really good. And everything we talked about here is so equipping for us. So as, as youth workers, as people that work with teenagers um, every week and hopefully every day, right, that they're a part of our lives, it is so important for us to understand this stuff. It, whether you're a numbers person, a statistics person or not, it's important that you understand the culture that students are living in and the work that you guys are doing is helping us understand that culture. So thank you so much for what the work y'all have done. Um, thank you for spending time to be with us here today. We're so grateful that you took time to do this and, um, and, and really invest in us. Would you, um, is, is there any way that our leaders can, like any way specifically that you would point them to be able to get resources um, from One Hope um, or from Feed? Is there anything specific like an email, sign up, anything like that that you'd recommend? Yeah, so you can definitely go to uh, feed.bible. Um, that is our feed website. We've got lots of free resources. We've got small group series. Um, we have reading plans. We have um, insight surveys. So if you're into research and you feel like you want to do kind of a pulse check on your own uh, group of kids, we make that super easy for you. And then we're developing out this new initiative um, that just recently um, launched, and it's called Feed Lead, and that's equipping these kind of all-in, um, all-in committed Christians uh, to be able to lead effectively. And so. This is all free. It's all available to you on feed.bible. And um, we've got some great partner managers that I can um, get you set up with too. I'll, I'll make sure that we get the emails um, involved in, in the notes. And so you can feel free to reach out to Sam McCullough. He's our, um, he deals with all of, all of the youth pastors and always happy to hop on a call and help you think through ministry and um, just sort of the things that we have. So lots available for you. We've just been so blessed to see the ways that um, these resources have really served youth pastors. So we're excited that it's enriched by research and that, um, yeah, our, our hope is just that people would feel the burden and, and would be able to feel equipped to um, reach those people. All right, friends. Well, I hope that like me in hearing the data that we've got to hear from this research over the last couple of weeks, I hope that it has caused you to look a little bit deeper and maybe look a little bit harder at each of your students. And hopefully in each of us, it has filled us with a renewed sense of urgency to see how important it is that we are doing everything we can to fight on behalf of the spiritual lives of each one of the students in our ministry. I am so grateful, as I know that each of your youth pastors are, that you are investing in this generation of teenagers and Gen Z who's in front of us right now. I'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast also because it means that you care about it and you want to get better. You care about Switch and you want to get better as a leader. I want to remind each of you that this podcast is made for you. So if you have questions you want to hear answer, answered or ideas, topic ideas, or people that you'd love to hear us talk with, please send those to us at switch at life.church. Just email us the ideas. We'd love to hear them so we can continue to improve this resource. And as always, thank you so much for joining me on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.